0: This afternoon, I preach you the Word of God as the church summarizes and confesses it in Lord's Day 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's on page 523 of the Book of Praise. After hearing of the revelation of our mediator and deliverer, Jesus Christ, the church confesses Are all men then saved by Christ just as they perished through Adam? No, only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others, but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation out of mere grace only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. What are these articles and then follows the Apostles' Creed that we sang together in hymn one. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, see the catechism of Lord's Day 7, we talk about faith. We ask, What is faith? And those of you who are sharp, who are paying attention, will say, Well, when we walked in here, it was on the screen in Hebrews 11, verse 1. It tells us that faith is the certainty of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So with that definition we can see that everyone has faith. Everyone has convictions of things not seen. Although you may never have seen Russia or another country, you believe that Russia exists full of Russians because you learned this from your teacher You learned it from what other people have told you, pictures, videos you've seen, or perhaps books you have read. You believe it, even though you didn't see it. Even more impressive is the faith that everyone who's married has, that a man and a woman show when they get married. Without being able to see the heart of the other person, they are so certain of the love of that, other, that that other person promised that they're willing to be with the other person for life. And we see then that the concept of faith, believing in, in something that is not seen, that, that concept that, that we as Christians speak about actually is not very unique. Except perhaps that the foundation of the Christian faith is a lot more trustworthy, a lot more grounded in reality than the other things that people believe nowadays. We know that the Christian faith is not based merely on emotions and hearsay, but the eternal power and the glory of the God we worship is is clearly seen, it's clearly displayed in all creation. Romans 1 verse 20 touches on that point. And we know that in his mercy, God has even more fully and clearly revealed himself in his holy and divine word, which reveals to us that Jesus Christ is Savior. This word of God the Bible is an unequaled book. If you start to study it and you read up on it, you can see that it contains the, the writings of, of a multitude of different authors from the beginning of time till shortly after the ascension of Jesus Christ. And they use, use different genres or forms, writing styles, sometimes poetry, sometimes law, sometimes history, as they reveal the one true God, truly writing under the inspiration of God himself, the one author. And so we know God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what we confess in the Apostles' Creed. And the Holy Spirit testifies in the hearts of man that this Bible, the the Word, comes from God. And the truth of What we believe has even been sealed by the blood of martyrs, men who have died because of their faith in the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The God who reveals himself in the Bible is clearly the creator of of heavens and the earth, and he comes to us with a wonderful message of grace and hope and comfort and love, And then we see that it is harder to believe that people don't believe that the Bible is the word of God than to believe that many people do believe that it's God's word. But it's true, isn't it? If you look around, you see millions of people who reject the gospel message revealed in God's holy word because they are too busy believing other things that are not true. They're, they're so busy even denying the God of the Bible exists that they that that's their system of belief. Atheism is actually a, a system of belief. It's, it's a faith that there is no God. And then we see very clearly that the faith that we have is clearly a gift. Of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit who grafts us into Jesus Christ. I preach you the gospel of the Spirit's marvelous work under this theme. Your faith in God is a result of the Holy Spirit's powerful work. You can see that was taken from 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5. Your faith in God is a result of the Holy Spirit's powerful work. And he ensures that you hear the announcement of the gospel, you submit to the Savior of the gospel, and you accept the benefits of the gospel. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. It's also what we sang in hymn 48. And so we believe, we confess that the first work of the Holy Spirit is in man's conversion, that changing of their heart, is that he takes care that the gospel is preached to people. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is that God is sending heralds of this most joyful message to whom he wills and when he wills. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5, that the heralds, that God sends are, are, can be seen in the world, but not among the the great and not among the famous characters of the world, when the Holy Spirit gives people the privilege of hearing the preaching of the gospel, He uses humble men like Paul, who showed up in weakness and fear and in trembling, men who do not depend on lofty speech or wisdom but in the demonstration of the Spirit's power in spite of the preacher's weakness. And it seems as we think about it that God always worked this way, that the Holy Spirit brings the word to us in jars of clay. Moses said to the Lord, I'm not a capable speaker. My tongue is thick. I can't speak properly. Jeremiah said, well, Lord, I'm much too young. Amos was a simple farmer. The disciples were uneducated Galileans, men from from the interior. Jesus was just a man from Nazareth, a small, unimportant city out in the country. The apostle Paul was one who at one time persecuted the church He did not stand out and and gain a following because of his eloquent speech. God did not use mighty and powerful, glorious angels to bring the message and really impress people, but he uses ordinary men. A good example of that is in Acts 8, verse 26, where God sent an angel to go tell a man, Philip, to preach. Instead of just having the angel himself, that would have been much more impressive for those who were hearing it. God chose to use weak men to bring the message. And although there was a lot of drama and theater that existed in the time of Paul, he does not tell Paul, go out and use multimedia presentations, but I want you to rely on the Spirit's power I want you to show the power of the Spirit exactly in your weakness. Speak clearly. Repeat what I have given you to say. And see the Spirit in action. And that is exactly how we can tell that the Lord is using a person as God's instrument. In the Old Testament, God taught the people in Deuteronomy 13 and then again in Deuteronomy 18 that they, can, they need to test the content of the prophets preaching by whether or not the preaching was in accordance with what else the other things God said and if the prophecies came true in the new testament in first john chapter 4 verse 1 speaking to to the new testament church to to every one of us here uh, today tells us that we should test the spirits to see if they are from God In the passages we are reading and studying in 1 Timothy, they also emphasize the importance of seeing evidence of the Holy Spirit's transforming work in the character of the men who are ordained to serve. The heralds that God sends and who faithfully serve the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, are led by the Holy Spirit to open the Bible and to proclaim the truth. The truth about our sins, about the promise of the forgiveness of our sins, the the comfort of the Holy Spirit who leads us in thanksgiving every day. And we as hearers of the word must eagerly desire this faithful preaching. Faithful preachers, we read, are messengers of the great King. And their preaching reveals God's grace to everyone who hears them. Paul emphasizes this in Romans 10, verses 14 to 15. You know the passage, perhaps you know it by heart. He's asked the question, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Not because they are beautiful in themselves, but because they are testimony of the Holy Spirit's work in the world. He is the one who sends these messengers to us. We should not take it for granted, brothers and sisters, that we can go to a church Here in our city, there's many faithful churches. We can hear the preaching of the Word of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit blessing our lives. You can travel around, and you can find cities where you can't find the preaching of the Word of God. And then it makes you realize how blessed we are to have this love for the Word of God and our brothers and sisters. The focus of scriptures when it talks about this, the work of the Holy Spirit is on the content of the message. If you look closely at what it says, the only time it talks about eloquence, good presentation, is to downplay the importance of these things. The Holy Spirit takes care that you hear the word preached because we read, or we read in Romans 10 verse 17, "So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ." We believe that true faith is worked in man by the hearing of God's word and by the operation of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that brings us this word. It's His work that we celebrate. And so this place is where there is a preaching. We also call it the workshop, the workshop of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's how he works in our hearts and in our lives. And when God ensures that we hear his word, the announcement of the gospel, he brings his children to also heed the word. The Spirit ensures that you submit to the Savior of the gospel. In Matthew chapter 13, we read that Jesus used a parable about seed falling on different kinds of, of ground. Talked about the path, talked about the shallow soil, place where there's thorns, and then good soil. And Jesus talks in this way. He uses this parable to explain that although people may hear the same message that is preached, the seed is the same wherever it is going There are many different reactions, and not everyone allows the message to penetrate their hearts and bring permanent change. The Holy Spirit sees to it that the Word of God is preached, and yet that that preaching falls on different soil. At the end of the Sermon on the Plain, which is very similar to the Sermon on the Mount, except that it was on on a flat place and We read about that in Luke 6. At the end of that, Luke 6, verse 46 to 49, Jesus makes a clear statement that distinguishes between the people who hear his words and do them, they're the ones who build on the rock, and the people who hear his words but do not do them. They're the ones who build their house in the sand. And then we see that There's these reactions, different reactions to the one word of God. And the problem is that fallen man loves the darkness rather than the light for his works are evil. And so he has a barrier or a hard shell around his heart. Fallen man is is able to, to hear the word, but that word does not touch his hardened heart, does not penetrate the shell just on its own. And that is why we confess that it is not enough to hear the word, but it is necessary to accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. And Jesus teaches us in Matthew 13 and and Luke 6 that faith does not just mean you are willing to come to the church to hear the word preached. I know a lot of people who love to listen to Christian sermons as an intellectual exercise, but they do not have faith because they don't want to submit to that word of God. It's also a work of the Holy Spirit. Hearing and then submitting. And that's always more difficult, isn't it? Perhaps, You've experienced exactly that. You, to hear the word, it, it creates a, a conflict within you. Spirit is, that, is, is in conflict with the sinful nature. And, and you hear that it's important to, as, as a Christian, to give up a certain sinful lifestyle of, of idolatry or, or a sinful perspective. Maybe it means leaving worldly friends or, or even unbelieving relatives who live sinful lives and, and who are bringing you into that. Sometimes our very own sinful nature, it, it cries out, it, it's too much. Or the devil speaks softly in our ears, offering and tempting, saying, it's easier with me. For then you can be the master in your own life. You can do what you want. The hearing of the word of God always creates a struggle in our hearts and our minds, for it is like light shining in the darkness. The preaching opens up another way to live your life. The preaching reveals the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it sits on your heart like seed on soil prepared to take root and yet even with all this grace and blessing our sinful nature is inclined to hate god and it's common to see men who are like the jews in stephan's day who who heard the proclamation who knew of the resurrection of jesus christ shutting their ears and resisting the holy spirit and then seeking to kill the messenger that's humbling you read about that acts 7 verse 51 And then we realize it takes a special work of the Spirit to open our hearts in such a way that after we hear the Word, we also want to submit to it. If you have this desire to submit to the Word of God, that's that's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing to claim for yourself. It's a reason to praise God's grace toward you. So when we see faith, it is a work of God himself. That's what we read in Acts 16, verse 14, very clearly about Lydia. Lydia who came to believe. The Bible says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. To heed it, to submit to the Word. Unlike those around who, didn't, who heard the same message but didn't open their heart, the work of the Lord opens the heart. We confess and we believe that true faith comes by the Holy Spirit who powerfully enlightens the minds of those who hear the gospel so that they might rightly understand and discern the things of the Spirit of God. And so every service we humble ourselves, we pray, Lord, enlighten our hearts, enlighten our minds. We, we pray that before we read Scripture in our homes. We, we pray that as we look at our own situations, it is the, the work of the Holy Spirit to, to help us as we submit to Jesus Christ as our Lord. We confess in a very beautiful way about the work of the Holy Spirit. You can maybe look at that at home. I'll read it now, but it's the Canons of Dort. Chapter 3, 4, Article 11. Here we confess the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit penetrates into the innermost recesses of man. He opens the closed and softens the hard heart. He circumcises that which was uncircumcised and installs new qualities into the will. He makes the will which was dead, alive. Which was bad, good. Which was unwilling, willing. And which was stubborn, obedient. And as we see that hard shell of resistance being broken through, By God and his grace, brothers and sisters, lift up your heart and see the God who does this for you in his grace. He breaks through the resistance. He gives us contrite and repentant hearts. That is the first sign of submission, isn't it? Confession and repentance. You can think of the the speech, of Peter after the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ in Acts 2. And everyone heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Word, and the Spirit worked powerfully in their hearts and and broke through the shell. And what did they say? They said, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter answers, Repent. Repent. And maybe you, are going through the same thing today. The same struggle. You hear the word, you hear the truth. You wonder about your life. The Spirit convicts our hearts with the word. You say, what shall I do? The Spirit says, repent. Confess your sins. Change your mind what you think about. Change your your hearts, what you desire. That's what the word repentance means. You see, brothers and sisters, it's one thing to hear the gospel, but the Spirit leads us to submit to the Word, to think about it. When God shows that our sins offend Him, He also comes with a wonderful promise. He tells us that our sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. It's, it's always good news. The preaching is always good news for, for us who humble ourselves before him. When the jailer in Acts 10, he submitted to the Lord Jesus and he asked that question, what shall I do to be saved Paul and Silas answered in Acts 16, 30 to 31, he said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. There's nothing better that we can say than that, brothers and sisters. To believe is to recognize that you cannot do anything on your own strength. To believe is to accept that the Word of God is true when it says that only the merits of Jesus Christ can save us. To believe, to have faith, is to submit yourself before the feet of our only King and Lord Jesus Christ with the song of joy, Psalm 51, verse 17. You are the only blessed Savior and Son of God. I have a broken spirit and a contrite heart and God will not reject that. It's important that we as believers, we look to ourselves, to our own lives regularly, even as a congregation together, and ask that question, is is there submission in my life? Is there a contrite heart or a broken spirit, to use the words of Psalm 51? The Holy Spirit brings all believers to their knees before the cross of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And true faith is to accept, to believe that it is true, that he has died for our sins it's what we confess that not only to others but also to me God grants has granted the forgiveness of sins everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace only for the sake of Christ's merits. And there at the foot of the cross and hearing What God promises, the Spirit teaches us to accept all these benefits. To let them come into your life to change who you are. To give you life. The picture in the catechism is of a branch being grafted in or or added in to a tree. A branch Still, with some life in it, is is connected to the trunk of another tree. It's something that's done to the branch. It's passively moved by other powers and made to drink from a new source of life. If you think about that picture, the only thing that the branch that has been acted upon needs to do is to stay in that place where there is. Sap coming in. There's some life coming into it. The only thing that branch needs to do to, to remain, to, to be alive, is not to hinder, not to block the, the flow of life sap that is coming from the trunk into it. And as long as that branch stays firmly connected to the bigger, stronger trunk well, then it will always be able to to survive. It can survive in storms. It can survive in heat and and in drought and in wind. And with that picture in our mind, we can think of ourselves as Christians being grafted into Christ, into the, the body of Christ as a member of his church. The man, the woman, who has been transferred, moved by grace from the kingdom of death To the kingdom of Christ, Jesus says we've crossed over from death to life. Well, those who have been moved maintain their connection with Jesus Christ by true faith. Faith is the act of remaining in Christ, of accepting all his benefits. Well, what does it mean then for you to remain in Christ? We go from here, we want to apply all this in our lives. What is it going to look like? Well, it means that a person continues to trust the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what, no matter what the storms of this life may bring. Not relying on himself without Christ, but always with Christ. And we confess and we, we rejoice because the gospel is that the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts, holds you in place in Christ. Just like the orchardist will hold the branch up against the trunk and and tie it on, So so also you firmly connected to Christ may have peace and joy in all the storms and the trials of life because his life gives you life. Those who have strong faith will remember the work of Christ, will think about the work of Christ, will be comforted by his love many times in the trials of life. It's a strong faith. Keep going back. Keep looking at Jesus Christ. Those who have weak faith look to Jesus Christ in the times of difficulty less often. It's a difference between strong faith and, and weak faith. And we realize how important that connection to Jesus Christ is and, and how his gospel permeates your life. And so it's not a matter of hardships or no hardships. It's a matter or a matter of, of being concerned or not being concerned. It's about looking to Christ. Christ. And it doesn't need to be a weak link, that connection to Christ. The Lord reveals to us how he strengthens that faith. The Holy Spirit strengthens your faith through the word of God, through the preaching of the word of God. That's how you have peace in all the tribulations of this life. It's to lift your eyes again and again and again to Jesus Christ. And if you need that strength or if you're in a hard time, a lot of the times we think the solution is to maybe back off a little bit from church, from being here. And it's the very thing we need most. Think of that branch. The further it is removed from that trunk, it doesn't get any stronger. It gets weaker. And if you look at John 15, the imagery even says, and at some point it needs to be thrown away. It's, it's dead. It's dry. Thrown away and, and tossed into the fire. And so the Holy Spirit shows us how he strengthens that faith which is strengthening the connection to Jesus Christ who is revealed in his word, who is confessed by his church together. And so, brothers and sisters, strengthen that faith by being living and active members of the body of Christ, of the trunk. So that 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 sap of his life will come into your life more and more. And the Holy Spirit keeps you connected to Jesus Christ through these ordinary means, exactly what Timothy was told to do in First Timothy 4, verse 13, the, the public reading of the Word of God and its exhortations and its teaching through the ordinary means. And so, once again, brothers and sisters, we are driven... To Christ, we are driven to him in a very hands-on, concrete way, for he has given us his word, and he has given us minds to think. he has given us the communion of saints. And the Holy Spirit uses all these ways to constantly point you to Jesus Christ so that you will be like that healthy branch grafted onto the trunk and receiving continual and ongoing nourishment from it. And those blessings are summarized and confessed by the church in the the beautiful articles of the Catholic undoubted Christian faith. And as this summary goes out, and as we even get to look at it in the, in the upcoming weeks, that summary of the gospel, as it goes out, it's, it's like a seed that's being placed in the hearts of, of every one of us, but, but also around us. And what a blessing it is to know the power of the gospel, the, the Holy Spirit who uses this gospel to, to create life. So that we can live in a relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has given us the truth, not through lofty words and wisdom of men, but through their weakness. And so our faith does not rest on man, but our faith rests on the power of God which has been clearly demonstrated in our lives. We can go from here and we can praise the Holy Spirit because we know, we know the truth. And we know the way to eternal life. The Christian faith is not based on people, on persuasion or possibility, but the Christian faith is dependent on God. God clearly demonstrates his power in our midst and who gives us certainty. May we in faith walk on. Amen.